Since 2005, Blue Hat has been where the security research community and Microsoft come together as peers. To debate and discuss, share and challenge, celebrate and learn. On the Blue Hat podcast, join me, Nick Fillingham. And me, Wendy Zanoni, for conversations with researchers, responders and industry leaders, both inside and outside of Microsoft. Working to secure the planet's technology and create a safer world for all. And now, on with the Blue Hat Podcast. Welcome to the Blue Hat Podcast, Giovanni Cherubin and Ahmed Salem. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us. Uh, <laughs> if we could start with a quick introduction, Giovanni, if I could start with you. Who are you? What is your role at Microsoft? Yeah, well, great, great to be here. So at Microsoft, I'm officially based under the Security Response Center. So the idea of the center is to deal with attacks against the infrastructure and at the same time to deal with uh, vulnerability reports and to protect against things that might get exploited. But I'm actually based a fairly small team right now in, in Cambridge, Cambridge, UK. And I work a lot with the Microsoft Research and Azure Research teams on machine learning uh, research and security of machine learning. And yeah, I'm happy to say more, but this is who I am. <laughs> wonderful. And Ahmed, thanks for joining us. If you could give us a, a brief introduction, that would be wonderful. Yeah, sure. Thanks for the invitation. <laughs> we are the small team in Azure Research that Giovanni is working with. So basically, the bigger theme is confidential computing. So I'm doing a postdoc there. And basically, as Vanny said, so our small team is working on the security and privacy of machine learning. And um, like, I think what we will discuss today. Wonderful. And while we didn't use your official titles, you are both PhDs in, uh, in this newish field of uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning. Is that, is that accurate? Are both of your PhDs in roughly that sort of area or you guys are AI doctors, right? Can we say that? Yeah, I guess, I guess you could say that. <laughs> yes. I, my, my PhD was on machine learning and security. It was at the intersection of the two. It was mostly about quantifying information leakage, uh, which you can apply to say machine learning models for quantifying whether they're private or not. But AI doctor does sound pretty cool. <laughs> It really does. <laughs> <laughs> like exactly the same. It's also quantifying the leakage of like privacy and security of machine learning models. So the same as Jeremy said. Wonderful. So you know, TLDR, you are both uh, absolutely experts in this field, and I'm very much looking forward uh, to the conversation today. We are going to talk about uh, a paper that the two of you co-authored along with some other authors uh, at Microsoft and, and, I, and I believe uh, outside of Microsoft that was presented at IEEE. The paper was titled SOK, Let the Privacy Games Begin, A Unified Treatment of Data, Inference Privacy in Machine Learning. We'll, we'll start to unpack that in a minute. Giovanni, you studied and worked in various institutions across Europe, which sounds amazing, before joining Microsoft. How have these experiences shaped your research and approach to privacy in machine learning? Oh, dear, that's a, that's a tough one, uh, I'm going to say. <laughs> um, well, I suppose I did do, do my PhD uh, at Royal Holloway uh, here in London, but then I did move around and I think all experiences kind of give you a different perspective of how different labs work, especially new ideas. Uh, I think you can easily, from your home, from your laptop, you can easily get access to the latest papers about uh, ML and security. But 
working with other people and seeing how they work really does does improve the way you, you actually work. I've seen different realities and different ways that the UK does research versus yeah, Switzerland or the US. It's all quite quite interesting. <laughs> I don't know if yeah, if that makes any sense. No, that's great. That's great because you know, you start with an idea of what you're interested in and then as you progress a lot of times I see people that think they want to do something and then they're in their last year of school and go, actually, that's not what I want to do. But it sounds like as you move through your career and education, it just reinforced that this was your passion. So I think that's, that's great. And it's a perfect fit for where you are. Ahmed, we would love to hear your journey to where you are now. What brought you to this point in your career? Okay. So I did my, like my master and PhD here in Zealand University at SISTA. And then after this, I thought it was the time to try a new environment. And I was pretty excited, to be honest, to try the research in industry. So, and then I did an internship in Microsoft Research. I enjoyed it there. So um, it was a a nice connection. So I went back to do a postdoc there. I like that. A nice connection. I agree. Microsoft is a nice connection for me too. So today we're going to talk about a paper that the two of you co-authored along with other folks both at Microsoft and across sort of academia titled uh, SOK uh, or Systemization of Knowledge. Uh, Thank you, Ahmed, for, for teaching me what SOK stood for. Let the privacy games begin with an exclamation mark. A Unified Treatment of Data Inference Privacy in Machine Learning. And this was presented at IEEE Security and Privacy. We'll we'll talk a little bit about that, that experience a bit later on. I, I want to unpack the title first. So Giovanni, if I could start with you. So SOK is a systemization of knowledge. Feel free to, to expand upon that if, if that's important. But I, I really want to understand let the privacy games begin. So this, there's, I got like nine questions here. The first is privacy. Are we talking just about privacy or are we talking about privacy with respect to security? Games, are we talking about things that you need an Xbox controller for or dice and half a dozen friends? And then sort of beginning with an exclamation mark, is this the beginning of something? Uh, what's what's kicking off here? Like help us help us understand the title of this paper before we start to dive into it. All right. Yeah, that, that sounds like a good a, a great start. Well, first of all, so systematization of knowledge papers, SOKs, these are papers that they're fairly rare in the in the field, in the security field. So for many academic papers, you, you will have a few, a handful of SOKs. And the purpose of SOKs is to look back at 10 years of research or whatever uh, has been done in a certain area and try and provide a perspective or a, a narrative about about that field of research. And well, an SOK might be about saying, oh, look, all you've been doing for the past 10 years is actually wrong. Or in our case, it might be, hey, uh, there's been a few papers uh, conveying the idea of privacy games. Let's actually start using them for, for real. So that that's SOK unpacked. So we go to privacy. I think your question is super, super important uh, because there's different ways the, the the word privacy is actually perceived across the, the community. The way we tend to, well, we as in the academics tend to 
look at the term privacy is, is what in the industry would be information leakage. So it is not as much as regulations about how data is being handled as it is about concrete example, will my machine learning model start spitting out information on, on its private training data about some, some users? So this, this, is, this is the idea of, of, of privacy. Makes sense so far? I'm following. Yes, keep going. Cool. Okay. So let's let's go to games. So this is, unfortunately, this has nothing to do with, with Xbox or any other, other sort of games. So the term games was introduced in the, in the field of, of cryptography years back. Cryptography is quite ahead in terms of, well, the, the field uh, that is. It's, it's way, way more mature than, uh, than the privacy field, privacy as in information leakage. And the idea of a game is some sort of procedure or algorithm-like way of describing what an attack looks like. Let, let me give you an example because it, this doesn't quite quite make sense, uh, and it sounds much more elaborate than what, what it really is. Say we want to capture a specific threat for a machine learning model, right? So we have a trainer model, and now we worry about someone being able to say guess what a data record on, on which the model was trained, uh, what, what, what that data record was, right? We, we talk about reconstruction attacks uh, in this case. So what the, the game allows you to do, the, the game is some, some algorithm you can write down. It represents the interaction between uh, the attacker and some entity called a challenger. And the challenger tries and, and asks the, the attacker to, to do stuff, such as, hey, can you please reconstruct the, this data record for me? And the attacker has to demonstrate that. So this is what a game is. And I'm not sure it really makes any sense. But yeah, uh, so please feel free to cut it off and I, I can try and provide something uh, more concrete, uh, but yeah. No, Giovanni, that was fantastic. So so thank you. So I think I'll, I'll try and summarize and you, you tell me if I've got this right. So so SOK, that's an acronym for a systemization of knowledge. And, and that's sometimes a look back on a on a, a collection of research and and sort of, you know, trying to pull it all together into, into a system that makes sense. And sometimes that's challenging it. And sometimes that's reinforcing it. Privacy, which is a, thank you so much for explaining that because when, I read the word privacy. I, I sort of thought about it in a very sort of general consumer term. But here, privacy with regards to machine learning models is about leaking data or leaking information from the model. And obviously, if that leaks, there are security implications as opposed to it being a, a security, as opposed to security is, a, is an output of the privacy. So privacy here in this context is, is, is about the leakage of data or leakage of, of information from the model. And then unfortunately, games, as you say, we're not talking about Xbox and Dice and, and Tabletop and Friends. We're talking about a, uh, an algorithm or a way to sort of uh, think about sort of maybe testing something here. Did I get that right? Yes, correct. If I want, I can I can make an, an, another attempt at describing a game and then maybe Rich can- Yeah, can sure, do, please, do please, please, please build upon that. Okay, so the idea of, so a game is a description of a threat of some, some system, okay? So say, say you are developing a crypto system, right? Say a cipher, then 
you will care about some properties about the cipher. For example, someone should not ever be able to recover the, say, the secret key, or they, sh they may be able to do so, but with very, very small probability, a negligible probability, say, right? So the, the idea of game, which is literally borrowed from the cryptographic kind of uh, literature, is enables describing these sort of threats against systems. I think one way to see our, our work is to say, hey, look, we have this very nice tool. It is, It allows to very easily describe to people and to talk about specific threats against machine learning. So how about we start using uh, games for describing the privacy of machine learning models uh, with respect to well-known threats? So th this is this is what games means in, in this in this case. Awesome. And Ahmed, for you, could you walk us through the abstract or problem statement for this paper at a high level for folks that maybe are not as familiar with some of the terminology? So basically, as you most probably know, so the rate of the amount of current paper which are exploring different new attacks on machine learning is pretty high, and it, I think it's even increasing. So there are so many different attacks now and even so many variants of the same attack. And it sometimes happens that people start calling the same attack with different names. And the opposite also is true, right? Where different people call different attacks with the same name. So the idea that we were trying to do is basically to use these games, which I think Giovanni perfectly explained, as a way to basically start capturing what are these different attacks, right? So basically the idea is now when someone starts studying some kind of privacy property, which can be simulated as an attack, is basically they can now describe it using some game, which basically if someone looks at this game, then they can know what is the setting that they're exploring. So this is kind of what we were trying to do, and this doesn't only work on privacy properties and attacks, it also kind of works also on the defense side. So basically, if someone is doing some defense, then he, he can also use, he or she or they, they can also use a game to describe their threat model that they are considering and they are doing this or they are developing this defense against. And the nice thing is basically that you can start now rationalizing between these different games and seeing the property and trying to build the complete picture of everything. And just a disclaimer, so we didn't invent these games. So people were, some of the people were using the games. And then this is why it's kind of a systematization of knowledge where basically we started collecting all of the different games from the machine learning literature. And then we started analyzing what, this is happening basically in this space. So you mentioned threat modeling. It kind of, it feels like a, some sort of version of threat modeling, but specifically to machine learning. Is that accurate? Yes, yes, yes. So basically when I say threat modeling, it means like, what does the attacker knows? Like what is the assumptions for the attacker? Does he have access to the model or does he have only access to a query to the model? So all of these things are captured in the threat models, uh, which we little model using games. Got it, got it. And one more question for either of you. Machine learning and AI, I know, are similar, but also different. How does machine learning, in this case, the privacy aspect, differentiate from 
AI? Is there a difference? Is there a, like, a line of demarcation where it doesn't apply for AI, but it does apply for machine learning? Okay, so it's always tricky talking about like drawing this line between AI and machine learning, right? But for me, it's always like AI is the bigger umbrella, which basically uses machine learning. So yeah. AI would be the big system. And basically machine learning is just the component of the system, which is doing the smart things. I guess. It's not smart. Thing. I'm not sure how to say it, right? Just like the smart machine <laughs> thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Although they, 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 the two terms tend, tend to be used fairly in common language. We're, we're starting to use them kind of interchangeably. But yeah, the description is exactly as, as Ahmed said. So Ahmed, if I could ask you to help us understand really before this paper began and really when it was just sort of a kernel of an idea, what was the problem statement that was identified? Coming into this entire process, what was the challenge that you saw? What was the problem statement that you hoped to, to work through as part of this research? So the idea is that the current rate of machine learning papers, especially on the attack um, and exploring different privacy and proposing defenses, is pretty high and it's increasing like almost every week there is new paper proposing either a defense or a new attack. And the problems is that sometimes people refer to the same attack using different ways and referring to different attack using the same ways and then there is the other dimension which is threat model. So people explore so many different threat models like what does the adversary have access to? Does he have access to the model itself? Or does he have access to some oracle that he can just exchange some messages with? So the current space was kind of not that clear. And what we wanted to do is we wanted to use games which have been used for so many years now in cryptography to try to make this um, space a little bit more clear. So this is what we try to do, which basically we started looking at uh, looking at papers which are using these kind of privacy games. We started collecting these different games that have been already used in literature, started drawing some kind of relation between these games, like what's happening basically, who's exploring what. And we are trying to propose these games as a way where basically people can start using the games to describe their new privacy properties or defenses, which make it easier basically to start comparing different approaches together. Got it. Thank you for explaining that. So if I if I understand you correctly, you know, one of the challenges here that is that there are researchers and academics and folks all across the world who are spending time looking at this space and looking at threat modeling and threats to machine learning systems. And they're they're coming up with really interesting observations and they're doing great research, but a lot of the taxonomy is different uh, or, or the way that they talk about the research and the outcomes can be, can be very different. And so what your, you and, and your, your cohorts have done is looked at uh, you know, a, a lot of that research and then tried to create a framework or I guess a systemization of knowledge so that there is some common language, some common ideas using this concept of games that you've taken from cryptography research. You've really created like a, a common way to talk about this problem, which is threat modeling for uh, machine learning. Is that, did I get that right? Totally. Just we didn't create it like because like people were using it before. We just like started collecting it. And now it's all in kind of in one place where basically we provide the way for people to or hopefully it would be easier for people now to use it. 
Wonderful. Wonderful. First of all, thanks for doing that. <laughs> I think we need to say thank you. The second thing is, can you help, you know, Wendy and myself and, and listeners understand who is this? So what you've created here, this SOK, who's this for? Who's going to benefit from this? Is it other academics and other researchers like yourself? Or is there going to be application for this more broadly to security responders and developers and data scientists? Mm-hmm. This is a pretty nice question. So um, I think here we are um, like being more, um, okay, I forgot the word. So the idea is that it should not only be for researchers. Like we think this definitely will help in research where basically people can start now doing these games to start, make it easier to compare the different works and so on. But we also think that this would also be beneficial for product teams and privacy managers. So when a product, a new product needs to launch, there basically needs to do multiple reviews, which one of them is the privacy review. So now it starts getting more tricky because privacy review needs to have at least two entities, which is like the product team and the privacy managers. And the idea is that these two needs to communicate together about some kind of privacy properties. What does this needs to achieve basically, right? And we believe the games can be used there. So basically, we propose games as a communicating tool between different entities that they can now explore or they can communicate these different settings that they have. So we think or we hope that this would make at least this part easier to communicate between different parties. And if we are really ambitious, then basically we can hope that this is used by like in legalizations, basically. So now laws are kind of abstract, but I think it's abstract by design, right? But one way to make it more concrete is basically to include such defined properties which needs to be achieved for the, like, or needs to be satisfied for systems that use private data. I wanted to ask how long all of this took and and. How did you conduct the research? You said you gathered other papers and then took that data and you know distilled it down into well distilled it's a it's a very large paper but put it all into one single place. But was there anything else? Did you have any testing going on with other teams? Like how did you gather this information aside from conducting the the papers and gathering them all together? Is there any like physical groups that were helping you define these problems? So what we did is we really started collecting machine learning papers that have some keywords like games, privacy, and this kind of things. And we started inspecting all of these games to try to get all of these different games. And then it came that we had a lot of these games and we started like trying to find out what is the difference between these games? So like some games were basically the same, but written differently. Some has very slight differences. So it was a kind of a nice exercise to start really thinking like what the, like a tiny bit that can change in a game, what it really means in real life. So we started doing this and then trying to reduce the set of like the basic games as much as, as we can, and then trying to explain the differences in real life. Um, but um, we, okay, so what do you mean by physical group? Like, uh, what do you mean there? Did you have any test groups that you're like, hey, let's, let, I would like you to test this out. Tell me what your findings are. Or was it just based on papers that you've gathered? 
Yeah, maybe if I could reframe the question on Wendy's behalf, like how, how did you do this research? So basically, yes, we collected things like this, the games, we started analyzing the games and after this came a little bit of formalism where basically we started rationalizing between these games and then trying to prove some relations using some reductions and things started getting a little bit messy, but it was kind of fun. But yes, so I, th I think this is how it started and how it went. And now we have finally the paper, I guess. Well, and it's fun because it's a game, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if, you can, if you can speak to this, when gathering research, what, what did you find were some of the main threats, the, the repeated threats that kept popping up? Is there something that kind of just top of mind, just like, okay, that, that came up the most, or these couple things came up the most? And again, if there's something you can't discuss, that's, that's totally fine too. One of, one of the main threats that generally be considered by, by researchers, and mind you, there's, there's a lot of bias in here. Uh, this is about what researchers and academia has been finding very interesting so far, rather than perhaps what a real-world attacker you know, might be extremely interested in into achieving. But the, the main attack academia has been looking at is called membership inference. And the idea is I give you a machine learning model uh, and then I give you some, some data and you as an attacker need to tell me whether this data has been used for training the model or not. If, if you guess correctly, you win, otherwise you lose. Uh, and by the way, the, the kind of the way I just described this interaction, this is a game for us, uh, a very informally spoken, but it, it, it's a way, you know, of communicating. So membership inference is definitely, I would argue, the most studied and for good reasons. The main reason is that if you are secure against this, this attack, which may seem, seem kind of odd, right? You, like you, as a user, you may or may not be concerned about this threat, but if your model is secure against this game, then it is secure against many other threats that you probably would be more concerned about. A second threat example is called attribute inference. So now, still similar uh, game as before, uh, I give you a machine learning model and I give you some partial data, right? So say I tell you uh, the age and height of a person, and but the model so, so the full information, right? And so your goal is to decide to infer what is the, the value of the missing attribute or attributes uh, about that person. So I would say these are the two main kind of attacks. Uh, there's also reconstruction attacks, which is probably, I guess, very consequential from the two I just described. And it is, I give you a model and I give you nothing at all. And you try and reconstruct some part of the data that was in your training set. So I, th I think this gives a good, a good idea of, of, the, of the main attacks. Yeah, it does, thank you. So th thinking about the people that can benefit from this, this research a bit more, I've, I've actually got the paper in, in front of me here and there's a really interesting table towards the end that, uh, let's table two, excuse me, uh, an overview of different games and features of their corresponding threat models. 
Is this, uh, and we'll put the link to the paper in the uh, in the show notes for folks that want to download and read it. Best of luck to you. I I, I tried, and uh, it's it's I got lost a lot. I got I got to be honest. But then again, I I I'm I'm not a mathematician. But what I wanted with this this uh, table here, table two, if if I am a developer, if I am a data scientist, if I am someone working with machine learning uh, in some capacity, and I want to ensure the integrity of my machine machine learning model, or perhaps the the application that I'm building that that re- leverages uh, a machine learning model, can I use this table to sort of come up with a game plan? <laughs> excuse the pun for the types of sort of tests or games here that I need to conduct uh, in order to do a privacy review and make sure that I'm not going to be leaking data and and then uh, you know that ultimately that my 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 system is going to be safe. Like, is that is there a is is that the is that the the goal of this table here and this research to be able to give sort of a map or guidance to to folks in this field to understand what kind of games or tests they need to do to ensure both privacy and security. That particular table, yes, it might help with threat modeling. But I think the main outcome and the main takeaway, I guess, from 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 our paper to the security community and to whoever needs to deploy uh, models is that they should always do threat modeling before uh, doing be- before deploying the model i in in my experiences in various various institutions organizations i've seen that when when people want to deploy models uh, based on private data privacy tends to be almost as an afterthought and they train a model on private data. Now they want to release it. Okay, now what? Well, let's add some noise. Let's come up with some privacy notion that seems to make sense based on what we know. I think if if there's one thing that our paper teaches us is that we should always actually start and, and do some, some threats, basic threat modeling around our model, where would the model be deployed? What who, who is the attacker? Is the attacker an insider? Are they just people who have access to the model, who can speak to the model? What are they, their capabilities? Based on that, only after that, we can define some specific threats, some specific attacks. And yes, then the table you, the table two, that can definitely help with that. But the, the main bottom line is threat modeling is what one should, should base their analysis on. Sorry, I, I don't know if there's okay. a lot. A little yeah, bit please, flat please go this. ahead. Interject that. Yeah. Yeah, Ahmed, please, Ahmed, please, please add. Okay. So a little bit to add is basically one thing that we are currently doing is kind of like you said. So basically what we are trying to do now, because as you said, so it can be a little bit tricky to start modeling your own scenarios using games. So what we are trying to do now is basically we are trying to abstract all of this into some kind of threat modeling tool where basically you just need to answer some questions, some user interface where basically you can drag and drop your model, drag and drop your data and so on, different properties. And after answering this question, then basically such a game can be generated out of these different threat modeling tools. So we are trying to make it a little bit easier and more abstract for developers. Got it. And looking at this this table, there's quite a few games that fall under the membership inference uh, sort of you know categorization, and and less for the others. 
And so is that a is that a is that a risk or is that sort of a, a place where sort of academia needs to focus on? Do they need does there need to be more research, more focus, more games in in these other you know, correct me on my taxonomy here. I'm not not sure what to what to call it, but has there been sort of too much focus on membership inference and not enough on data reconstruction, for example? And if so, uh, is that a call to action for the ML AI research and sort of academia space? That's a tough one. On that we we agree. Yeah, so we agree. Ahmed, please. I will try a small part and then Giovanni can continue. But I think one possible, so definitely membership inference is the most explored attack in machine learning. This is, uh, I think this is a fact. I think one reason is the hardness and easiness of these attacks also, right? So if you are trying to do a full reconstruction attack, then it gets much, much harder to do. So um, it is kind of an easier target to do membership inference attack but at the end, so basically, we have this kind of figure in the paper where you can start drawing these relations. So basically, if you can defend against membership inference, then basically you can defend against a lot of different attacks. And I think this is also another reason why people are focusing on membership inference attacks. So it's kind of the easiest attack to do. So basically, if you can defend against this attack, then most probably you can defend against so many different attacks. There, there's something we, we haven't touched upon uh, yet. And it is that every time we say we would like to protect our model and defend our model, all is good, uh, but then we are going to lose something and then it's going to be the utility of the model itself, right? So the the way we, we tend to protect the models is by adding noise into, into the training process, essentially. And of course, that's we're going to have to pay some consequences for that. So what Ahmed says is exactly right. You can defend against membership inference. You're able to defend against the rest. But then your costs in having to protect against membership inference are quite high. Uh, and sometimes they're acceptable. Sometimes they're not. So if you do a very careful threat modeling and you realize, oh, actually, membership inference is not really a threat for this specific application, then, and we'll just protect against attribute inference and, you know, reconstruction, then you're going to have a better utility. So this is where hopefully our tool also comes and becomes helpful, the, the tool that Ahmed was mentioning in doing this threat modeling with the whole purpose of being protecting users, but at the same time of uh, of managing to get good good models. Uh, yeah. So you mentioned the tool as something that is the next project, but what else is next? Is there um, are you going to go, you know, speak at conferences on this? Is there any anything additional that's going to be coming out with this, or is it going to be focused on okay, now the paper's here? We're going to work on a tool so this can be applied to many people in an easy and and easily accessed and applicable way. What's next? One one of the ambitions is to somehow help and facilitate privacy reviews of models based based on private data. It it can help them. We we believe it can help them uh, in two ways. In one way it should make it easier for people to 
to go through through the process essentially. So you define your your, your scope and you you show you pr- you can prove that your model uh, meets the, the requirements. But at the same time, we also think this may help with making privacy reviews uh, or we with make it neat more interpretable or more understandable what the privacy review or what what are the privacy requirements for for a model uh, and the these games this communication kind of it can become a sort of communication tool uh, for for people uh, and that's that's our hope uh, I, I don't know if Ahmed wants to add no I, I think you already said everything have, have you submitted to any conferences to present this uh, apart from apart from IEEE sorry Yes, right, of course. Like, are we doing Black Hat, you know, any of those types of conferences? Uh, generally, I think we, we, tend, we would tend to, you know, to, to submit once to a conference, get it accepted, and it becomes, at least for, for academic conferences, we, we cannot submit it anywhere else, right? It's kind of because of the novelty, essentially. I, I don't know if the Black Hat community might be interested in this. There, there's definitely more, more awareness of... Uh, surrounding attacks against LLMs in particular, I'm, I'm not sure we currently have so, some, something that we, we we can really show and that's something that can be really impactful, say, at, at Black Hat. Um, but yeah, good, good, good point. Well, when it's ready, I think people will be very interested in this. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to shift gears to finger painting and rock climbing. Ahmed, I would love to hear about your finger painting and your love of flea markets. Can you give us a little bit of insight into that? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. So I, 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 uh, this is my like relaxation thing where basically it start getting like using your fingers with paints and then you start painting whatever comes to your mind. So I think it's a nice relaxation tool and it is like doing it with your fingers, not something better. It's basically something which you can use as a reason for the quality of the final paint. Like the, you cannot draw it better with your finger, right? But it's pretty nice. And lately, like you have this new diffusion model. So what I have been trying to do lately is basically like I start imagining whatever I want and then using some kind of a diffusion model to basically start sketching something. And then basically I can steal his ideas now, which makes it easier to <laughs> Imagine, I guess. It sounds amazing. I haven't finger painted since maybe I was five, but when I read that, I was like, I think I need to get back into this. Should be, should <laughs> and, and flea markets, what do you look for specifically? Anything? Or are you a collector of something specific? Yeah. Any random things, to be honest. There is always some random things that just get attached to, and I just buy it, and then I have a lot of things now, which I'm trying not to think of selling them in a flea market one day, but uh, I guess I'm now getting too attached to my things to start uh, uh, selling them. But at one point of time, I will have to sell them. But if it's a specific That giant giant anteater lamp that you got is now, you're second guessing that one, right? (laughs) (laughs) And Giovanni, tell me about your rock climbing. Is this indoor? Are we are we at a gym? Are we actually on rock? So if if, if London was a bit less flat or Cambridge, uh, I I'd, I'd go outdoor every day. Uh, unfortunately, I you know I cannot. But 
There, I, I do I do a bit of both. I, I train mostly indoor just because of practical reasons. But uh, I, I do I do go. There's there's a nice island. Well, it's kind of connected to to England down, down south, uh, where I go maybe once or twice a month over the weekend. It's a bit far, but worth worthwhile. Yeah, that that's awesome. I I tried gym climbing, which is great. I love the little colored pegs. But I did actual climbing of rock in Las Vegas at Red Rock. And it's very different. It's such a different feeling. So I'm glad you're able to get out on actual rock. I mean, I'm a big chicken, so I'm not going out there all the time. I did it like twice, but nice. and, I mean, it, it's an awesome sport. And Red Rocks, I've, I've, I've seen so, so many films about it. It's, yeah, uh, the, the U.S. is very lucky in general. I, I, was, I was in the Yosemite, uh, Joshua Tree Park, all great places. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Should consider relocating. Love your hobby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Come on over. <laughs> yes. Before we let you both go, and thank you so much for your time. This has been great. Where can listeners uh, to the podcast find you online or follow your work? Giovanni, we can start with you. Do you have a website? Do you use Twitter or Mastodon or LinkedIn? I'm I'm still I'm still on Twitter reasons because yeah but mo- most of my academic colleagues still are uh, we're very slow I don't know my handle is G C H E R S which doesn't mean anything at all um, we'll we'll put that in the in the show notes <laughs> folks don't need to write that down but thank you yeah. um, and and are you you open to to folks uh, following you and maybe reaching out with with questions regarding uh, this space. Absolutely yes, and my from from my Twitter you'll find my website, and from there you can find my email, and that's even even easier. So yeah, awesome. And Ahmed, where can we where can we find you online? Yeah, it's similar to Giovanni, I'm also on Twitter. So if you reach out on Twitter or on the email on the website, I will be happy to discuss anything or further. Wonderful. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us, especially so late. In the, in the evening where you both are. We appreciate your time. Uh, thank you for uh, working on such a uh, important problem and for uh, helping us sort of understand this a little bit better and to helping secure the, hopefully the, the future of uh, ML uh, and AI, which is obviously incredibly important. We'd love to talk to you again on another episode of the Blue Hat Podcast. Thank you. This was super fun. Thank you. Yeah, likewise. We'd love to. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for the Blue Hat Podcast. If you have feedback, topic requests, or questions about this episode, please email us at bluehat at microsoft.com or message us on Twitter at msftbluehat. Be sure to subscribe for more conversations and insights from security researchers and responders across the industry by visiting bluehatpodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.